0: Hello and welcome to B2B Revenue Leaders. I'm your host, Dustin Tizek. This podcast is brought to you by Testimonial Hero. If you're looking to close trust gaps with strategic video testimonials, head on over to testimonialhero.com. On this episode, I'm joined by Karina Egval, who is the Director of Marketing at Verint. Today, we're gonna be talking about the need for focus in marketing, what it's like working cross-functionally at a large company, and how to better understand your coworkers to communicate effectively. On to the episode. Hey Karina, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Dustin. How
0: are you? I'm good. How about you?
1: I'm going great.
0: Good. So today we're going to talk about a topic I don't have a lot of background in, so it'll be kind of nice to get your thought there, which is, you know, I've spent most of my time in startup land. It's a very different world, whereas you're at, you know, a very large, very public company with a lot of resources. So we're going to dive into that a bit. Like, how is it different? How do you actually become good at project management? How do you align teams? All of that good stuff. But to start, I'd love to ask you about something you said before was, you know, we all need more focus and especially at larger companies. So how are you thinking through that? And then how do you make sure you actually focus on things and, and get that focus you need?
1: Well, I think it's a skill <laughs> and it's one I'm really That's good cool. at. And so I think it's it's something you have to get adjusted to. And I think as you, you go through your career, you try to figure out where you fit really, really well. And I've been at large companies throughout my 15 years Working in technology companies, and it—it's just trying to figure out how that works. I I think kind of startup, you try to figure out how that works too, and you probably wear those many hats. Where for myself at a big organization, we have individuals that wear those hats that I get to work with and collaborate with and get ideas from. But really, you know, thinking about what our goals are, and you know what my team goals are. You know, trying to keep that focus can be a challenge, but it's really just documenting and uh, reminding us of, you know, what are our goals for revenue? What are our goals for sales opportunities? How am I impacting that in the marketing organization and keeping a focus on that is it's challenging, but I enjoy it. And like I said, we have digital people, we have content folks, we have PR, AR, we have all these things just broken out into different individuals that have that skill set that really specialize in that. But my skill set is really looking at the end-to-end funnel, looking at across all those tactics, what levers do I need to push or pull, turn on, turn off, whatever it may be, to you know, make sure we're, we're progressing towards that goal.
0: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, you mentioned a bunch of different marketing teams within the marketing team. So events, mm-hmm. PR, there's a whole bunch. And I would imagine most projects span multiple, right? Like they the do. events team will do a lot, but then you have a lead gen team that ties on after the event. So how do you, like from a structure perspective, how do you keep all that together and connect those teams?
1: Yeah, so I'm part of the lead gen demand base or demand focus group. And then we have an events team. So if we have an event that really fits with my program, I work with the events team. We collaborate together to make sure we're aligned and on the goals. And so they handle more of the logistics, which is great because that's not my specialty. I did it many, many years ago and glad we have someone that does all of that. Making sure the booth is there and, and the people and the, before you go and all those logistics are handled by that team, which is so wonderful. I'm so happy to have them to lean on. Um, but then as far as like, what are we doing to drive traffic to that booth? What are we doing pre post at that booth to drive interest and engagement with our key target audience?
0: Yeah, and I think like the one thing there is, you know, you kind of answered that with questions you would ask the team, I think, which is good. And I think that's mm-hmm. a skill set that leaders have trouble developing, like in startup land. A lot of times, it's just we're going to do this thing because we got to do this thing and we got to go fast. Right. But I would imagine in your case, like you said, you have experts in these different fields. So, yes, I would guess part of your job is just asking them the right questions and letting them run, and then reeling them back in when they go too far. Is that sound accurate?
1: Yeah, it, I think it goes both ways. It's them asking me questions of like, what are yeah. your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? And for me, it's oh, what can what can that event do, or you know, what what can we expect from that? You know, leaning on their expertise of that given area. So whether it's working with the digital team for pay-per-click, paid LinkedIn, whatever it may be, you know, leaning on them to say, you're the expert at this. I know a little bit of knowledge yeah. and and can do, you know, little my way through, but I'm going to lean on you to help me get to that goal.
0: Yeah, totally. And the, the other thing I found kind of interesting with, you know, your role there and both your time there. And I think a lot of people have been in this scenario, especially at larger companies. You came in when, you know, it was already a very developed, very large company, and you're the new person. So figuring out how everything works is kind of a full-time job as well, I would imagine. So any advice on you know, how you did that and people stepping into a, a big role like that can you know, figure things out and get, get going quickly?
1: Yeah, I think that's a little similar as far as a startup and figure out who the people are Figure out who does what, who has that specialty. I think that's the hardest part. Is it's a really, really large organization, and we have international folks that handle things. We have U.S. folks. We're remote. We uh, we have different leaders handling different groups. So it's the people that I think is the hardest part to learn. The area that I find you know fascinating is the product side and and diving into you know what do we do here at Merritt and how how cool is it and but leaning on those individuals to, to try to understand and that enablement side that we have here to understand our products and the value we bring. and So that's the fascinating part, but it's, it is. It's a challenge at every organization, I think, to figure out mm-hmm. how does all this work? <laughs> and it, it takes a little bit of time. I think it probably takes more time in a larger organization to feel like you actually have a... a a grasp on it and you're like, oh, I got it. I think yeah, a smaller company, you're probably getting up to speed a lot quicker. And maybe it, maybe it's only a month or so. And you're like, oh, okay, I figure this out because I'm the one person that's doing this. And I only have two other people here. You have so many people and you're just within the marketing organization. And then you expand to the next level and the next level, and the next level, you've yeah. got to learn all of those people and what they do and what their strengths are. And as you do a project, who do I need to pull into that? And you're trying to remember. People are just throwing out first names. You're like, okay, well, there's ten marks in the organization chart here. <laughs> Which one is it? You know. So it's, I think it's the people, is the challenge. And and again, you know, understanding the products, understanding how you can provide value with your skill set, but then who others have the other skill sets you need to pull into a project. So that's the biggest thing to try to figure out. And it can take probably three to six months at a larger organization to. Feel like you actually have it. And then you'll have that. Oh, I got it. No, I don't have it. Oh, I got it. No, I don't have it. (laughs) (laughs) I think I had some starts and stops along that six month journey. And I think after a full year, I was like, okay, now I got it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's not an overnight thing for sure. And I think one of the points you made there was not just understanding what they do, but understanding their strengths, their communication style, their personality. That's a lot easier in a small team because you get to know the people. Right. And I find you, like, especially if it's people you're managing or even just interacting with, you have to know how they like to receive information, how they process it, how they like to be told things. So how do you figure that out is, is a question. Like, how do you think through that and really gain that, you know, knowledge within the company?
1: Wow, that's a big one. That's still a <sighs> challenge even today because I work with so many people. We collaborate with so many. And you're via, you're via teams. You're remote. Yeah. You're- you're trying to figure that out and you only have, you know, so sometimes people don't go on camera. So you're like, okay, now I just have your voice to figure out if you're you're not getting my message or if you're having an issue with my idea or whatever it might be. So it's even more challenging, I think, with remote. But what I find of value is Myers-Briggs. If people have gone through that test maybe recently or a long time ago, they do have a resource, Myers, I think it's mbtionline.com. And you can really hone in on people and try to figure out what their tendencies are. Like, are they an introvert or an extrovert? Are they a thinking or a feeling? Are they worth sensing? So I always look to that to try to figure out, okay, how? what is their style and what is my style? I know my style. But if there's a rug between someone that I'm working with or you just feel something's off and you're like, wow, well, we just don't seem like we're connecting. I like to go to that site and, and try to figure them out. Because they might be someone that's very much into, I need to see the data, or I need to know, like, what is our goal here before I'm going to work with you or before I'm going to give you anything. So I've, I've really leaned on that to try to understand people more and try to give them the information they need so that we can work more effectively.
0: I think that's a good call. So I worked at a company, they were in the HR tech space. So, of course, we focused on Myers-Briggs and stuff. But um, the one kind of eye-opening thing for me is I always thought, you know, introvert just means you're shy. But yeah, it's not really, it's uh, how you process information. So maybe tiny takeaway, but one thing that helped me is, you know, the people I knew were introverted on my team, I would give them more info before the meeting. Mm-hmm. So they could prepare versus an extrovert who's going to ramble and talk out loud and eventually get to their point. Exactly. Um, so I think that's a super interesting one. And the ones who are in between, like I'm kind of in between, I didn't know yeah. how to handle them. They're, they're a little bit strange. Yeah. Like you didn't, yeah, I struggled with that. So I think that's good feedback to try to figure that out. Um, Because
1: I think most people, if you, if you get down to it, we're all people, we're all trying to figure things out. We're all trying to get to the same common goal, but we get to it in a different way, just based on who we are, what our strengths are, how our communication style is. But you'll find that if you don't like your boss, or you don't like this person, you know, it's more of probably a communication style difference than than anything Mm -hmm. else. And trying to lean in and try to figure out, okay, who are, how do you process information? How do you need the information? Could probably resolve so much of our our challenges in the workplace.
0: Yeah, rather than just thinking, you know, I don't like this person and just just <laughs> yeah, writing it off, right? That. Which, yeah. yeah, cool. And then I think to so to switch gears a little bit to go back to what we talked about about keeping teams organized and on the project side, you have your you know very large conference coming up that you've been working on, which I would imagine is a multi team, not just marketing. So marketing, sales, probably CS, all tied together. Yeah. Do you want to walk me through, you know, for anyone who has events like that coming up? How you tackled a project of that size, and you know what you're excited about 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 the event.
1: Well, luckily, like I said, we have an events team that drives that that whole event as far as like logistically, where are we at? And then we have another group that really handles what content do we plan to have there. You know, what's being what was lessons learned from last year? You know, what does our customers want to learn about? What do prospects want to learn about? What's a great you know what are our key messages that we really want to make sure our customers know about or cre- our key innovations that that we've done over the year. So all of that kind of comes into place. And like I said, we have an events team and there's logistics. We have content folks that really handle like overall for for the event. What do we need to make sure we have in our solutions now? What sessions are we going to have? What keynote speakers are we going to have? Or, or you know on the main stage, what are those presenters? So they actually figure all of that out, which is great. And then from a team perspective, as far as actually managing the event, you know, we have someone that that says, "Hey, I'm going to be assigning people to work at these different stations or present at these sessions." Many times we ask customers to present because we really appreciate our customers and want to make sure that we're showing people that like the use cases for our products. So we get them to to come and yeah, so it's just like pulling together all those different specialties to pull all that event together, and it, it is a team effort. It takes you know, pretty much everybody in the company is, is probably focused on it in one way, shape or form to add their little nugget of expertise or their way of of helping bring it all together. But we we kick this off seven, eight months in advance, to, you know, as far as picking the location, it's going to be in Las Vegas this year. That's probably done two, three years ago. I'm not really sure. But, you know, when it's told to us, we're we're told and then we figure out the layout of where we're all going to be as far as the ballrooms and the breakout sessions and where's, when's food's going to be, <laughs> all those details that, that happen. But it's pretty exciting. It's an industry event we have every year. It's called it Engage. And then we have a theme. So our theme is Art of Innovation. And, you know, again, it's in Las Vegas. So it's going to be exciting next, next week to see 900 registrants. I'm super excited to learn from the speakers. There's 70 plus speakers. There's 22 sponsors of our event. It should be just a really amazing event.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah, I can imagine, you know, keeping that much organized. And I'm curious, you you said you're more on the gen Legion side. Yeah. How are you tying that into the event? Because sometimes that's a bit of a neglected thing, right? Where they have the event and then don't get much out of it. So yeah, I would love to hear what you're doing there.
1: Yeah. So we work with the product experts. So we have a solutions lounge. So if anyone, a customer is interested in a specific variant solution, they can come to the solutions lounge and get a demo. We also have these customer experience zones, we call them, or ask the experts. We have those places that actually can set up a meeting and talk to someone and get more information about what they're trying to solve so that you know, maybe they go to that meeting first, meet with their sales rep meet with some other people, maybe an executive, whoever they need to kind of figure out what the problem is they're trying to solve, have that meeting and then go to the solutions lab and actually see the product live and test drive it kind of, so to speak, but see it and go, oh, that's how I solve that. That's awesome. So that's a lead gen component as far as just that educational side, really listening to customers, understanding what they're trying to solve, and then actually showing you know how our solution would solve that or how they'd approach that. So we do capture, we scan their badges if they like you know make a, an appointment, we scan them also if they actually take that initiative and go to the solutions lounge to see the product. Some of our sessions, not all of them, are scanned. and then we do have, obviously, we know they registered, so we have that aspect and we can follow up. Our BD team can follow up with them to to see if there's any interest there. So all of those, Different ways we're capturing where there was engagement, which is great because Baron's a customer engagement company. Where there is engagement, we can follow up with our BDs. Or if someone, you know, at the solutions lounge said, Hey, I I'm ready to buy. I want I want this product, we can streamline that and just assign it right to the sales rep to to focus on it after the event and just, you know, make it happen kind of thing, you know, keep that sales process going. So there's no friction for the customer.
0: Yeah, I think that's the key part is making it a positive experience, especially with the event post event follow-up as well yes. like i've had very good post event follow-up and i've had very bad annoying post event follow-up as a yeah. as a guest going to events so that's a key part yeah. the other part i wanted to ask about is you know you, i think you said 70 plus speakers or a lot of speakers yeah that's a lot of content that you can repurpose throughout the year Absolutely. um Absolutely. so is that part of the plan and if so yeah. you know where in the funnel or the buyer's journey are you going to fit that content and yeah what's the strategy there
1: yeah, so I was happy to you know, come up with this idea last year. So after Engage, we pretty much took some of our sessions were recorded, which was great because we do hear often that, you know, it's a challenge to get all of my team there in person yeah. and we want to make it special. So we do leave it in person. We don't do a hybrid event where it's broadcast while people are there. So we do want to make it special. You've paid money to come and and experience this live. So again, we keep it that way. But after the event, you know, we we're kind of past COVID and it, people are kind of coming back, we not coming back. And so we wanted to offer some way to, to do a virtual side of this. So some of the sessions were recorded. We did put those on our website so somebody could f- complete a form and, and take that content in. And we obviously capture their information so we'd know, you know what they were interested in, could follow up. Uh, but we took it a step further and I came up with this idea of Engage Encore, for people that really couldn't go, but they wanted a flavor of the event and still get some of that information. So after we had done our website, we took it virtual and did a virtual event, recorded some new sessions. So we had that live aspect. We had our CMO do an introduction and welcomed people, had some other recordings or, or sessions, excuse me, live so that people could kind of get that, you know, live feeling again, at least a taste of it. Nothing will compare to being in-person, but at least we wanted to give them a flavor. And then we did have those recording sessions again available. So if you registered once, you'd get access to all of that information. It was free. And many people said, wow, I really appreciate that. We had it in November. So it was a little bit longer after Engage in-person happened. But people really love the fact that, hey, I wasn't able to attend and I, I got to you know learn a few things and then reach out to my sales rep for more information. And I really appreciate you know, having this virtual aspect to it. So I'm happy to say this year we're doing this again. So planning is underway to have a virtual aspect nice. of it. We're hoping to move it up to September. So we're still talking through the, the date, but hopefully we'll know that and we'll be promoting that for people to have that virtual event again.
0: Yeah, I think the hybrid part, super important with events because, well, one, a lot of us companies don't have as much budget as we did maybe last yeah. year when, when times were a bit better. But also I think there's so much content you can repurpose there. Like on our end from this podcast, for example, or, you know, we create video testimonials as a company, we chop everything up. So we have a steady stream of content and an event is just such a great way to do that. Yeah. So I do want to switch gears one last time again, because you're in the demand gen space and most of our listeners or a lot of them are in that space as well. And it's a space that is constantly changing. There's new stuff coming out. A lot of opinions for sure. What's, you know, a thing or two that you're excited about on the demand gen side that you're testing out or want to test out?
1: Wow, there's so many different areas. I think, you know, with ChatGPT and AI, you know, there's so many things that are coming at us right now and and so many unknowns as well. So I'm excited to see where that brings us for marketers um, Mm -hmm. and and hopefully alleviate some of the fears that some of us have of, you know, hey, it might take my job away. I think it'll just shift in. It'll just change in. It'll maybe make it better. That's my hope, at least. But I'm excited to see where that brings us. It feels like everybody's pretty excited about that. So that's that's definitely one area. I I do love the fact that we're getting more data, more insight, more intent, more predictivity, predictability, I should say. Of of consumers that are, you know, looking at our products, but for marketers, it's, it's a little, it's that dark social that you hear, or, yeah. you know, you're like, Oh, you know, I really like a little bit more insight. So I feel like there are, there are technologies out there right now, and there's going to be more that'll probably happen because of chat GPT or AI, you know, technology coming out to, to really help marketers learn a little bit more about, you know, people that are researching so that we can help them. I mean, obviously, it, it can feel a little creepy for marketers to know people are looking, but we really just want to help people, you know, get that solution to their problem. And that's really the ultimate goal is to to align with, you know, what you're searching for and, and get you the content you need. So I think it's going to be exciting time for marketers.
0: It is. Yeah. There's lots of things changing. Like even on the chat GPT side, we've had a handful of leads come in. We have the self-sourced attribution. Like how'd you hear about us on the forum? And we've had two or three actually say chat GPT already, which is insane. Oh. Like, I guess they type in, you know, where should I get video testimonials for my company? And apparently it says us.
1: So that's, that's,
0: and they're building it into, you know, Bing, which is starting to look like less of a bad browser. It actually, you know, it's (laughs) looking like a decent search engine nowadays. So I think that's going to change the SEO game a ton. So exciting times, a little scary. AI is good enough to be kind of scary right now, but not good enough to take a good writer's job. (laughs) But six months from now, let's see where we're at.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it'll be interesting times. I'm pretty excited about it. Verit is definitely, we have AI to help continue to grow and make our solutions even more and more robust. So it's, mm-hmm. it's exciting. I think AI, depending on who you talk to, it can mean different things. So I think just understanding yeah. it from the vendor, whoever you're working with, how, you know, how are they using AI and how is it different? You know, because it does mean different things to different people.
0: It does. And a lot of time, like, I mean, we're both marketers, but to be fair, a lot of marketers will say something is this magic AI thing, and then you look at it, and it's not. So like, (laughs) definitely check and see what it is when they're selling it. But yeah, exciting times for sure. I do appreciate the insight on, you know, working in a large company, managing projects, what to do at an event. If our listeners, you know, want to follow up with you, learn more, or about variant, where should they where should they go?
1: Yeah. So you can find, you know, vera.com, you know, find us on the, the website myself. You know, if you just want to look me up on LinkedIn, I'm happy to connect with you. Don't appreciate, you know, pitches right away. I'd like <laughs> you to get to know me a little <laughs> bit if you could, but happy to connect with other marketers, other people in the, the revenue generation space. But again, I'm not looking for a lot of sales pitches at this moment. <laughs> I've got a lot yeah. going on with you that next <laughs> week.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So connect if you know you want to check out her content or share your content maybe, but Absolutely. Yeah, let, let's stay out of the DMs with pitching right away. So I think that's, that's a good call out. But we'll include the links to Teverant, to a little bit about the event into the description here. So for our listeners, you can check it out there. And yeah, Karine, thanks for the fun conversation.
1: Thank you. It's been a big pleasure.
0: Thanks again for listening to this episode. My key takeaway here is just how important of a skill project management is at a large organization, especially in marketing. Most of the work is orchestration and making sure things happen instead of being involved hands-on in the day-to-day and getting the things done. Some people love it and are great at it. Some people don't like it and aren't good at it. I fall into the latter camp there, but... You know, pick your lane, figure out what you're good at, what you enjoy, and then go for it. If you enjoyed the episode, head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. And as always, I'll be back Tuesday with a new episode.